Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Of our devoted series. I hope you've been enjoying it as much as I have. It's been a great, great series. This has been a series about first, about seeking first what matters most. Hey, big topic. And to help us to seek first what matters most, we've been spending the whole month of February asking this question What's winning the devotion of our lives? What's winning the devotion of our lives? Do you know, we all live busy lives and we devote our, our time to so many different things, don't we? Hey, career, business, family, health, maybe I should probably dedicate more time to that, but friendship, rest. The scriptures say the thing we should seek first is Jesus, hey, Jesus. And as we seek first Jesus, he'll take care of the rest. Hey, I think there's an amen for that. Amen. Do you know, he'll take care of the rest. And in week one, we began by looking at God's call to devote our lives to Jesus and our relationship with him. In week two, we discovered that we are also called to devote our lives to his kingdom and his cause. So today, we're going to look at another area that God calls us to devote our lives to. And that is our relationship with others. And, you know, if you've missed any of the weeks, you can get onto our podcast or YouTube channel and listen to them there. Maybe you know some people who need to listen to these messages or maybe you need to re-listen to them. Make sure you do that because sometimes when we hear something again, it just triggers something else for us to think about. But before we start this morning, why don't we just pray? Let's just close our eyes. This morning, Father, I thank you that people have come here, God, to receive something of you. So I pray, God, that you anoint my words, you open people's hearts, and you touch them, and you speak to them with whatever they need to hear today. We thank you, God, that your presence is with us, and Holy Spirit, that you move amongst us this morning. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, do we have any parents in church today? If we do, can you raise your hands? Parents, there's quite a few hands. Yes, all right, you can put them down. Well, I have three amazing children. Joelle, who's sitting right at the front here today, who's 16. Ethan, who's on the sound desk, 14. And my son, Roman, who bolted out to go to kids' church just before. Now, before I was a parent, I had a clear plan of what kind of parent I would be. I was going to be able to expertly navigate every different situation that I'd be faced and at the end of it I'd be the fun loving parent with disciplined children yes I know see the parents are laughing here today I know I had it all figured out I wasn't going to be that parent where you're in the shopping center and you see the kid is going nuts yeah and you're rolling your eyes thinking not mine you should do that better hey we all know come on if you haven't if you're saying you didn't do that you're lying okay but then something happened. I had children. I had them. And these children came with this funny little thing called free will, okay? which they seemed to exercise as soon as they came out of the womb, straight away. Then all the theories, the thoughts, the expertise, the tactics, the plans, I thought I would use, all useless, all useless. Parenting seemed easy. 
until I actually became a parent. Can anyone here relate? Relate to that? And for all you couples who are just starting to have children, the best is yet to come. It is, it is, it is, it is. Do you know, this sometimes happens, this is sometimes how the Christian life seems. When following Jesus is just about my relationship with God and the call that he's placed on my life, it is a lot less complex. I can devote my heart to Jesus. I can devote my life to his kingdom and cause. But then God, because he loves to do this, he throws something in the mix that changes it all up. Hey, let's have a look. In week one, we looked at Matthew 22, where Jesus was being questioned by the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of the time. So let's just recap that scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Otherwise, it should be on the screen behind me. Matthew 22, 36, 38. Teacher, which is, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I read, I read that and sure, that's doable. Love God. How hard can that be? But it doesn't end there. Jesus continues in verse 40. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Do you know, Jesus says, not are we just called to love the Lord our God and devote our lives to him, but we're also called to devote our lives to others and the relationships we have in our lives. Now that changes things for us. Hebrews 10, 23, 25 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do you know, what we see here is that the first part has to do with our personal devotion. It's about us. Hold tightly without wavering to Jesus. But then we see the call to think of ways to motivate one another, to devote ourselves to meeting together, to encourage one another. It goes from inward focus, all about me, to outward focus, others Do you know, for some of us, this aligns with the culture that we were raised in. It may align with traditions and values of our ethnicity or heritage. Now, my heritage is Italian. So I grew up with lots of people around all the time. My parents did life with others. Things were always done with others. It wasn't just our family. We always had guests. My culture is one of hospitality and social gathering. The more, the merrier. And if you know my family, the louder as well. Always people. But generally speaking, in this Western culture, which is the dominant culture here in Australia, it's permeated by something called hyper-individualism. I'll explain that. Do you know, throughout history, people have understood themselves and their place in the world in regards to their community, their society, and the roles and expectations that they had or were placed on them 
in those roles that they had in society. However, in the present, we're starting to see ourselves as individuals whose identities are completely disconnected from these external factors. And as a result, there's been a drive towards social isolation, narcissism and self-orientation. We all know it. It is the selfish culture. And it's all about me. It's all about what I want to do. Anything goes, whatever I choose. I don't care what that means to something else. Hey, it's, it's quite prevalent today. But the Bible doesn't say that we aren't individuals. The Bible doesn't say that. It describes Christians as individuals that are woven into part of something bigger. And that something bigger is the church. Okay? This is not talking about an institution or four walls. It's talking about the community of believers that are following Jesus together. The church. It's talking about this. This is what we're talking about today. What we have here this community, these people who come together for a common cause. This is what we have. Do you know the Bible calls us individuals that are members of the body of Christ, individuals that are members of the family of God, individuals that are members of the household of God, and individuals that are like stones built into the temple of God. We don't lose our individuality here in church. But we need to recognize the biblical Christianity that biblical Christianity fundamentally places us as part of and interconnected within something bigger. We are part of and connected with something bigger. Because why? Because God knows we can't do this journey alone. He knows that. We are better together. And I truly, truly, at the core of my being, actually believe that today. I believe that. Circumstances and situations in my life have shown me that on my own, there is no way you would get through it. Now, that is not even just talking from a God perspective. That is talking about relationship perspective. Yeah, having other people walk alongside you. And to disengage in relationships... Is, setting, is settling for something less than God's design for your life. Do you know, we're designed to be in relationship. We see the most amazing example of relationship with God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Even God needs relationship. Can we see how important that is? That even the God of the universe is connected in relationship. Do you know, God's heart is that we could, would devote our, ourselves to doing relationships well. I say well because a lot of us do relationships and they're not always done so well. Hey, So it's doing relationships well. So today you may say, well, how can we devote ourselves to doing relationships well? I'm going to share two thoughts with you today. The first one is choose connection over isolation. In our fast tempo lives and busyness, it's easy to isolate. It's, it's something we don't even do intentionally. I know about me, I'm so busy. It's like having five minutes to myself is lovely. <laughs> but then I get used to being by myself. 
and I enjoy that, yes? It just happens. We have to be intentional about connection. It means we need to set time aside, allocate emotional energy. And maybe even for some, it means putting some money aside to make the ability for you to connect, okay? So these are some things. These are some ways that we connect. Maybe it's in order to make friends. You need to be intentional. Send a text. And this might be radical for some. Make a phone call. I know, it's radical. Sometimes I say to my kids, just call them. <gasps> I can't, I can't call. I'm just going to text, right? It's like they've got these devices in their hands that are mobile phones, but it's a text machine. That's what it is. Organise a coffee catch-up. See a movie. Be intentional. If it's with your spouse or your partner, have a date night. Go away. Yeah, whew. I'm on. Anyone want to babysit? Anyone? No. My kids are disciplined. I told you. Sorry, I didn't say that right before. Go away for a weekend. Do you know, maybe that's a bit hard, but do you know even an hour coffee? Just talking, face to face, it helps. Connect. Write each other notes. I've been doing this lately. True, Bronson? I've been doing this lately. I've been leaving them on Bronson's keyboard where he can find them. So when he starts the morning, wash the dishes. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> it doesn't say that. Not those kind of notes, ladies. So let's just not those kind of notes. These are those little, oh, I love your smile. And I, tomorrow, watch for the note, actually. But it just starts your day. Just think about it. When you go to sit down and you're like, oh, another day. Oh, my wife loves me today. She likes my smile. It just does something for you. Just those little things. Okay, guys, it's important. Your relationships with your spouse and partner, they're so, so important. If you're a parent, make time to do things with your kids. Look, I am talking to myself. I really am talking to myself. I know you're tired at the end of the day. And you don't want to be playing with Pokemon cards or Nerf guns or soccer in the backyard. I have a six-year-old for this. I know you're tired, but it's important. It's so important. Spend time encouraging them. Pray with them. Discipline them. Do you know, just sit down and have a chat and talk. It's so important. Can I say, if you don't build these relationships with your kids, someone else will. And you can't control that sometimes. And we want to make sure that we have a strong relationship with our kids. Right? We want to be the strong relationship with our kids that they come to and talk to when issues come. Okay? And in terms of the church, be intentional. Maybe you need to stick around after the service and engage. In conversation with someone, invite someone for lunch. Do you know, sometimes we have to tell people to go home. You're hanging around so long. <laughs> but no, it's so exciting. Do you know, recently Pastor Bronson and I were asked, I remember Pastor Bonnie, she asked me, I was sitting down and we were having dinner together and she said, Gabby, what is the thing that you love about your church? And I was like thinking and I thought, no, okay, this is the thing I love. I walk out of church on a Sunday morning and I'm standing at those doors and we are generally sort of the last to walk out because it goes from the back to the front. And as I stand there, I see all these people in community. 
And it brings a tear to my eye because God established this. These are connections that have been established through a common cause and people who are like-minded and it's just beautiful to watch. And if you look at our congregation, we are so diverse and so different, yet people find a way to connect. And that's a God thing. I just love that. It's so beautiful to watch. And if you have not experienced that, hang around and be part of it. Don't rush out. There's something to gather and collect and get while you're in that time. In the church scenario, be authentic and vulnerable. But can I say, with wisdom. We don't go tell our story to everyone. We don't pour out our hearts to everyone. You need to be wise who you speak to. But let your walls down. Allow people in. Reach out for help. The church is, should be a safe place for help. Okay? Be part of one of our life groups. Now I'm going to be very real with you today. One of our values is being authentic. So I'm going to be authentic. This is an area that we are not strong in. But it is an area that we are looking to build on this year. And, you know, there are some groups that are running. And if you fit into that demographic, be part of it. Be part of it. But to do it, you've got to be intentional. When you know the men are having a hamburger night in three weeks' time, put it in your diary now. When you know the women are catching up, put it in your diary now. Hey, if you want to start a group, maybe, that's another one, come and have a chat to us. We'd love to talk to you about it. Maybe you need to join in and be a participant and not a spectator in church. Do you know, be part of the things that we do. We have prayer nights. We have fun nights. They are the most amazing time. If you haven't been to one of our fun nights, one is coming up. We'll announce that soon. Come along. Serve. Join a team. Together is better. Life is better together. And the last one I say, don't wait for people to talk to you. Go talk to them. Do you know the barriers that people have is I'm going to have nothing to say. You know that person's feeling exactly the same thing. And when you both come together, you'll say something. You have to. (laughs) But just talk to people. You'll be amazed at the things you can learn from people when you're just in the foyer having a chat, okay? Choose connection over isolation. And the second one is choose love over self. Do you know the pervasiveness of this selfish culture that we are seeing today and its distorted views of love and how we see others can influence can easily influence and taint our understanding of love as Christians. Today's culture promotes this version of love that's centred on self. This problem, it's it's not unfamiliar to some of the authors of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes about the church in Corinth and its wrestle with this same fact. Now Paul, he was an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ and someone who pioneered churches through the Roman world. And he wrote many letters that now make up the New Testament. And Corinth was a Greek city whose patron deity was Aphrodite, the goddess of sexual love and fertility. But it has been argued that this city was filled with sacred prostitutes that formed an integral part of their pagan pagan worship practices. It was a city with a culture of love, that was corrupt and broken. 
It's love that was centered on self. So let's have a look at what Paul says to the Corinthians about the true character of love that should permeate their relationships. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, it says, Love is kind and patient. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it gives no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Do you know, Paul here, he writes one of the most beautiful pieces of literature in all human history. He eloquently defines and demonstrates what real love looks like. That's the definition. Do you know, real love is selfless. It's others focused. It's forgiving. It's patient and kind. It is captured in the very nature and essence, not of Aphrodite, the Greek god of Corinth, but Yahweh, the one true God, the creator and the father of the entire universe. That is the essence of love. It's not captured on Valentine's Day that just passed with all the flowers and the teddies and the cards. I'm sorry for all you young people if I've just burst your bubble, you're all in that. But love is who God is. And I think today you need to give him some praise for that. Come on, let's raise our voices in praise this morning. Love is who our God is. If the keys would come. At the end of my message today... I will give you an opportunity to meet this God, the one who loves and is love and is waiting to know you. Do you know, now it's likely that you, if you've attended a wedding, you would have heard this scripture that I read before, 1 Corinthians. It's very, very common scripture. But what happens when you hear something constantly? What happens? It becomes familiar and its impact is lost because it's so common to you. And this is what can happen with this scripture. We just hear it and go, yeah, that's, the, that's the wedding scripture. <laughs> but for us, it should be, this is the essence of who our God is. And we need to remind ourselves about that. Do you know, so I want us to do something different here today. And you guys all thought, Pastor Brunson's not speaking, so we don't have to interact. <laughs> no chance. I'm on. So we're going to substitute the word love for the first person. And we're going to put ourselves in the place of love using the word I. And we're going to read it together. Now, it should be on the screen. Let's pop it on the screen. Okay. And we're going to read this together and we're going to start. All right. I'll move over here. One, two, three. I am patient and kind. I am not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. I do not demand my own way. I am not irritable and I keep no record of being wronged. I do not rejoice about injustice, but I rejoice whenever the truth wins out. I never give up on people, never lose faith in people. I am always hopeful for people and my love for people endures through every circumstance changes it doesn't it 
It's quite powerful. We put ourselves in Scripture. So let's just reflect on this just a little bit. Were any of those statements easy for you to say? Some of them would have been easy. You go, yeah, I'm that. That's me. Were any of the statements a little bit difficult? Do you know, I read the word irritable. I'm like, yeah, sometimes. But let's be truth today. It's going to happen, okay? Let's be honest. Even to the pastors, it happens. And which of these statements on love are maybe you the weakest in? And maybe you need to do a bit of work on. Do you know, choosing love over self means that with the Holy Spirit's help, we are called to express and outwork these different aspects of love. Do you know, notice I didn't say, do this on your own. I didn't say that. I said it is with the help of the Holy Spirit that He makes it possible for us to do that. We are not on our own. And I just love, I just love that when God talks about relationship, He doesn't just say, yeah, go and find your relationship. He gives you a relationship. He says, this is how it's done. Let me show you how I will support you. I'm telling you, you can have a relationship. The Holy Spirit will help you. I'm telling you, you can have a relationship with my son. I'm telling you, you can have a relationship with me. He shows you and gives it to you. It's just so good. God backs up everything he says, hey. And as I close today, let's just remember God's heart is that we will devote ourselves to doing relationships well. To choose connection over isolation and to choose love over self. So to every person in this room, to everyone watching on the live stream, to people listening on the podcast, I want you to think I want you to think about these couple of questions this week. A bit of homework for you. What relationships need your devotion this year? What relationships? What areas of relationship is the Holy Spirit saying that you need that need your devotion this year? How will you choose to connect rather than isolate? How would you choose love over self? Every eye closed right now. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you're here this morning. We just thank you, Father, that your heart is that we do relationships well.